You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? Before we get started with this very special episode of Real Talk with Zuby, I have a quick favor to ask. And that is whether this is your very first time listening or you've been a regular listener to the show over the past few weeks. I ask that you please go on iTunes and leave a positive five-star review for the podcast if you are enjoying it. Head over to iTunes, search Zuby Podcast or Real Talk with Zuby. Give it a positive review if you are enjoying it. That'll really help me out, help more people to discover the podcast and get it higher up in the iTunes algorithm. So please do that. Leave a positive review. Let's get on with the podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the podcast. This is Real Talk with Zuby, back with another hard-hitting episode. Today, we've got on a young lady. Her name is Megan Murphy. She's from Canada. She is an independent writer, journalist, and the founder of the website Feminist Current. Welcome to the show, Megan Murphy. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for waiting for me. <laughs> that, that's Okay. <laughs> we're, we're being patient here. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, how are you doing today? <laughs> yeah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm good. I'm, I'm always good. I try, I try to always be happy. I'm not someone who gets, gets down and stays down for too long. So Megan, um, a lot of people have been uh, asking me to talk to you on the show. A lot of people saw what happened with you, with Twitter, and the banning, and all that stuff, which we're all going to get into. But first of all, let's start from the top. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and let people know a little bit more about you and what you do? As you mentioned, I'm Megan Murphy. I live in Vancouver. I was born in Vancouver. lived here my whole life. I've been uh, running Feminist Current, which is Canada's leading feminist website. It's probably one of the, the only uh, radical feminist or, well, feminist websites of its nature in the world, I would say. Um, I also do a podcast. I have a master's degree in gender, sexuality, and women's studies. And are you laughing? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you I'm, smiling I'm, about? I'm, 
I'm smiling. I'm smiling. This is different. <laughs> um, I have a, a BA in women's studies. And uh, I, yeah, I'm an independent writer. So I've, I've published in, in lots of places around the world, in North America. Um, and I was recently banned from Twitter for understanding how biology works. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we live in we live in strange times. So I want to there's a lot of stuff there that I want to touch on. But um, first of all, what is a radical feminist? What does that actually mean? So I guess to be clear, I don't actually identify as a radical feminist. I identify as a feminist. Um, other people identify me as a radical feminist, and that's fine. It doesn't bother me. I don't think that the term itself is bad. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, what I believe, I feel like that fits within basic feminism. So I advocate against male violence against women. Um, I want to challenge uh, the oppression and exploitation and objectification and sexualization of women. I want to challenge what I consider to be sexist or regressive roles that are imposed on women. Um, but yeah, the main thing is the violence issue. So most of my work has focused on issues like prostitution, um, pornography, domestic abuse. And then lately, I've really been forced to focus pretty heavily on this issue of uh, gender identity ideology or transgenderism, gender identity legislation, whatever you want to call it. Because I think it's, I mean, I think that it's incoherent and, and harmful in general. And I don't think that we should be making incoherent arguments. I think we should be making good arguments that make sense. But also, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an ideology and it's legislation that I think is really harmful to women and girls in particular. Mm. And that last part certainly there is, well, to be honest, a, a lot of what you said there, I mean, I, I'm certainly... Uh, against violence against women. Hopefully that's, uh, I don't, not something I explicitly need to say, but um, that last point you brought on there, I mean, it's, it's very funny. I don't know if you saw the viral video and media attention I've been getting recently from the deadlift video. Have you seen that? Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I, it seems like, yeah, I guess you got a lot of like attention from radical feminists all of a sudden. It, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's been, it's been, yeah, I've been getting attention from, all sorts of people all across the spectrum. So it's um it's been a pretty bizarre two weeks. It's not a conversation I ne necessarily thought I would find myself embroiled in um, and having people trying to, you know, TV stations and radio stations wanting to interview me to talk about this topic. And I'm just kind of like, wow, this is not, um, it's not what I set out to do, but, um, you know, <laughs> he here we are. So from your own perspective, in terms of that ideology and the dangers to women, um, I mean, that's something that I recognized and was actually trying to sort of display in that video. It's like, you look, there is a there is a clear biological difference, especially when you're talking about sport, you're talking about strength, you're talking about speed. These are things that we've known for thousands of years. It's not some, it's just reality. And so there is a reason why you separate male and female changing rooms and sport leagues and all that kind of stuff, like to be honest and prisons. I mean, this whole ideology, that whole idea, it's going to be a lot more harmful to women than it is to men, realistically, because it's not going to be happening the other way around. You're not going to have 
biological women competing against men's sports and dominating them. That's that's not going to happen. But there's no reason why it could not and will not happen the other way around. And you're already seeing that happening. And just in terms of general fairness, that is very clearly a problem. So, I mean, that's that's my own perspective on it. What What is it? How is it that you see it as, um, I guess, a threat to women? Is there something beyond that scope, perhaps? Well, I mean, yeah, the sports thing is a really is a really big one because it just is so obvious all of a sudden to people who maybe haven't been paying attention to this. You know, this debate around gender identity is relatively new. Um, it's a new trend, but uh, feminists have been pushing back against this idea for at least a few years now. But all of a sudden, it's like when you're faced with the reality of this big, tall man standing next to smaller women, like holding a medal or whatever, people <laughs> are like, "Why? wait, no, <laughs> like, is this real? Like, what is happening? And, you know, like, it's so it's so strange and frustrating to all of a sudden having to to argue about these things that are so obvious that everyone already knows that we shouldn't even have to like, we shouldn't even have to explain like, there is a difference between men and women, males and females are real, males and females have existed for all of human history. <laughs> they exist in the animal kingdom. You know, this is how babies are made. This is how reproduction works. And, you know, women and women and men's bodies are different. You know, like whether we like it or not, men are in general stronger and bigger than women. And there's other differences too. Like there's all sorts of differences that people, I don't know, are just kind of pretending away for some reason that I don't understand. You know, like men's bones are different. Uh, men's organs are different. Um, you know, men have bigger hands, longer limbs, mm. like I, and, you know, I'm faced with, I've, I've been pretty heavily engaged with this debate. So I've been doing, you know, speaking gigs and, and events and debates and stuff like that. And people stand up and they say, well, what is a man? What is a woman? Like, who can say, who really knows? It's so nuanced and complicated. And it's like, it's not, it's not nuanced and complicated. Like, it's it's really strange. It's it's when people try to over intellectualize absolutely everything to the stage where you just completely lose lose sight of what reality is, right? If you have to go back and ask what is a man, what is a woman, who who defines it? And it's just like it might be a fun intellectual exercise, but if it's you're going to start putting this stuff into real life and putting it into legislation, then it's kind of like, wait, hang on here. No, we we already, you know, my, I've got a like little nieces and nephews who are, you know, two years old and, and they know the difference and everyone mm -hmm. knows the difference. So it's like, wait, why, why are we going to suddenly forget about objective reality and, you know, just try to apply this thing on a level where it just, it doesn't make sense. It, it's very bizarre. I mean, it's something that I saw coming initially, probably about four or five years ago. It's something that kind of came on my radar and I did think, I have been thinking for years, why wouldn't men, especially knowing how badly professional athletes want to win and knowing the lengths they're willing to go through, I was like, well, according to these rules, surely I or any other guy could just say we're a woman and just do stuff. So it's yeah, funny. Yeah, I mean, why not? Like, it's not like there's not power and glory and even money to mm -hmm. be accessed from from being a top athlete, right? And yeah. so, 
Yeah, because some people on the sorry, I've I've had some people on the other side of the debate say, "Oh no, no, but nobody would, nobody would do that. No one would." And I'm like, I don't think you understand athlete mentality. If if I'm a professional sprinter and I keep coming in eighth or ninth place, and that's continually happening, so I'm I'm really really good, but I'm not the best. Who's going to get that big multi million dollar sponsorship deal? Then why wouldn't I just? perhaps suppress my testosterone for one year, literally, I think it's only 12 months you need to do it. Mm-hmm. And then just go wipe the floor with the women. It's like, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, the, the women's sprinting records can be beaten by high school aged boys. Yeah, scholarships are in question then too. Like yeah. girls are actually now losing out on access to scholarships because there's these boys who are claiming to be women and beating them in track. Yeah, it's just wrong. I don't, it's very odd. I mean, the way people who would be opposing what we're saying always try to frame it is try to frame it like what we're saying is based in some kind of hatred of a group or of an individual or, you know, they always try to apply some kind of malice to it. And I'm just like, no, the malice is the other way around. You're the ones who are trying to completely, I mean, taken to a logical con- conclusion, it would just eliminate women in sport. It would just completely, For sure. it, it would just, it would just wipe it out. So I'm just kind of like, well, Surely that's not, you're, you're trying to avoid harming maybe like a handful of people's feelings to rather than just the threat of destroying this entire thing. It's very, um, it's very odd to me. I spoke yeah. to, um, I don't know if you checked out the podcast. I spoke to Posey Parker about this yesterday. I haven't had a and, chance to watch it yet, but yeah. Okay. I, yeah. yeah. She had some, some very strong feelings about it. Mm-hmm. So Based so following on from this topic, I mean, um, you've obviously had different reactions to the position that you've taken on it. You're now an outcast from Twitter, you've been exiled from Twitter. So tell us a little bit more about what happened there. Yeah, so I mean, I had been on Twitter since like 2011, so a long time. I'd never really had any issues on Twitter. Um, I've been making these these arguments against gender identity for like a few years now. And suddenly last year, my account just started getting kind of locked down over and over and over and over again. And it would be for what I consider to be fairly innocuous tweets, you know, like it wasn't harassing anyone. Um, It definitely wasn't saying anything violent. It wasn't using slurs or anything like that. one of the tweets that my account got locked down for was just for saying men aren't women. Um, that was the entire tweet. It was part, it was in context, like it was part of a larger conversation, but it wasn't directly aimed at any particular person. It wasn't aimed at a trans identified person. Even I was just saying men aren't women. So yeah. And so they locked my account down. They forced me to delete that tweet. Like I came back on and I was super mad and I was like, what is going on? Because like they locked down your account and they just send you this message saying you violated a policy or you, you, it's something about hateful conduct, but they don't say specifically what rule you broke or anything. So I had no idea. I mean, saying men aren't women to me doesn't, there's no obvious rule that would be breaking. Um, at that time, there was no rule in place around what they call misgendering. I don't agree with that idea because I don't, I don't think it's possible. You know, I'm correctly sexing people. I'm not misgendering people. It doesn't make sense. Mm. 
But uh, that wasn't a rule that was in place anyway. So I'm like, you know, what's happening? I'm just sort of being arbitrarily shut down. I came back on and responded to Twitter being like, you know, like what the, I, I know I'm not supposed to swear on your show, but I did swear. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, what the heck? <laughs> I'm a bit of a potty mouth, so I'll try to keep that under control. <laughs> but uh, I was like, what's up? Like, I can't state basic facts on Twitter. And then they shut down, shut me down again. What was the what was the second one for? The well, you know, I complained about being shut down, and I included a screenshot of the tweet that I had been locked out for because I was like, you know, what is happening? This is all I said. Like, what's going on, Twitter? Like, I was asking Twitter. I'm like, I'm not allowed to state facts on your platform anymore. You know what 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 am I doing wrong? Um, And then finally, I was suspended permanently i was completely shocked oh they then they took away my um just before they suspended me permanently they ch- took away my blue check mark oh no <laughs> like, not the blue check no it's not the blue so check petty. No. i was like oh this is so childish it's like fine you can't have a blue check anymore <laughs> like oh, oh no. i'm not me because all the like the blue check mark is just to verify that you are who you say you are so that people can't impersonate you if you're like a public figure or whatever and i was like okay i'm not megan murphy anymore like is that my punishment like who knows who you are you might be anyone obviously it's a status symbol that they're taking yeah. away but uh <clears throat> and then later that night on friday night like I, like I was at the bar, like with a friend, it was like 10 or 10.30. And all of a sudden I get this email from Twitter. I don't know, I guess they had nothing better to do on a Friday night than pick on me. <laughs> but saying they'd suspended my account permanently. And it was for a tweet. This is sort of like a complicated story, if you want me to explain it. Um, yeah, go for it, go for it. Okay, so there was this guy here in Vancouver who was going around to local estheticians and asking them to give him a Brazilian bikini wax. And when they would decline and say, sorry, we only offer this service to women, he tried to sue a bunch of them. He tried to take a bunch of them to human rights court and say that they were discriminating against him because apparently he was transgender. Um, Is this someone who was literally just in every sense of the word a man had they do- had they even done anything i i mean i i can't say for sure but okay. i mean he looks like a man he even he was still and still is identifying himself as male on social media like he still uses his male name he sometimes also uses a female name but even on twitter his his name was he used both names um okay. and then in places like linkedin and on facebook he was still using his male name he was leaving um, reviews online, like on Yelp and places like that, under his male name with his face that looks like a man. Like, there's some photos of him online now that, you know, like he's wearing makeup and stuff like that. He's like, he's got selfies of himself in women's washrooms. Like, you can see all these women behind him and he's taking a selfie in the mirror and he has like some makeup on. But, you know, like, yeah, as far as I know, yeah, so he'd been in the media. And, but they've been keeping him anonymous. So they've just been using his initials. And meanwhile, the women that he was taking to court, they were using those women's names in the media. So they weren't allowed to be anonymous, but he was allowed to be anonymous for whatever reason, like very kind and generous of the media to keep this, you know, dude who was potentially predatorial anonymous. A blogger discovered his real identity, wrote a big blog post about it, um, outed him 
And so I posted a link to that blog post and said, is it true that blah, I used his initials, is actually so-and-so um, and and included his his Twitter handle, which this blogger had, you know, revealed. Mm-hmm. And I found, or someone sent me a screenshot of one of his reviews for one of these estheticians, I guess, saying like, so-and-so did a great job on my Brazilian bikini wax with his male name and his man face. Like it was, he posted this publicly. I wasn't revealing anything. This was online for anyone to see. So I posted a screenshot of that and responding to myself. So confirming, I was like, oh yeah, like this was proof that this is this guy, like this is his actual identity. And that's what they suspended my account for finally. So, you know, I tweeted information that was already out there in the public Mm. sphere. And, you know, I said, yeah, it's him. So I'm not sure they i i i appealed all this and didn't get any detailed response they just said sorry you violated twitter rules they don't say what rules they use this hateful conduct thing again sorry i'm moving my hands around again you know essentially i mean i feel like i was banned because of who i am and because i'm a person who's been really critical of gender identity ideology and i get a lot of traction and i have a really big following like i think when i got kicked off i had close to you know, 25,000 followers on Twitter. And I think there were just, I can only guess really, because again, they've not been accountable at all. And they've not responded to my, my questions and my requests to explain to me what rules I violated exactly. But you know, this guy obviously didn't want me tweeting about him. And I think there were probably people at Twitter who were, you know, not liking what I had to say. So they just shut me down. And uh, you know, and it has a really big impact. I mean, I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong in general mm-hmm. for, for Twitter to be shutting people down for political and ideological reasons and arbitrarily and not following their own rules and not following their own protocol and breaching their own contract in terms of their terms of service. But, you know, I'm an independent writer and a journalist. Like, I don't work for a company. Like, this has a real impact on my ability to work and my ability to make a living. Um, my ability to connect with other writers, to connect with sources, to connect with other editors, you know, to share my work, obviously, to yeah. promote events, and just to speak. I mean, Twitter, you know, people might say, oh, it, it's just social media, but social media is everything today. We do yeah, everything yeah. on social media. Yeah, I mean, if you work in media, or you're someone with something to promote, or you're an entertainer or anything like that, then it is it is a big deal. It is a very big deal, especially when you know that you haven't done something wrong or actually violated the terms and conditions. I mean, it's crazy because it's very obviously ideological. I mean, it's not even a, I don't even think that's debatable. And it's very odd because, you know, someone who spends a lot of time on Twitter, I mean, I see some of the stuff that is posted on there, oftentimes by people with blue check marks. I have literally seen people advocating violence. I've seen people calling for other people to get doxxed. I've seen people saying some, you know, genuinely, genuinely awful stuff. I'm not even saying that they should necessarily be banned, but Mm -hmm. some of the stuff I've seen on there, I've seen some stuff that borders on criminal and it's from high profile accounts as well. So it's kind of like, wait, hang on here. Yeah. I mean, people have said horrible, disgusting things to me on Twitter and Twitter has not done anything about it. And like, I, I mean, there's accounts on Twitter that post graphic pornography. Oh yeah. Like, oh, there's gosh, actual yeah. porn accounts yeah. and there's one account, I think it's called 
LA, what is it called? Like LA models or something like that. It's you're a pretty gonna, big account. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I got the handle wrong so I can't actually send people there. <laughs> so, but it's a pretty big account. It's a porn account. It's a porn company and their entire feed is graphic pornography. And recently they were accused of being engaged in sex trafficking. So there's really? like actual companies like and you're you know doing illegal things on their platform that they're not shutting them down for never mind all this violence and like you know really overt like not subtle violence overt but like you should be killed you should be raped and you know more grotesque ways that i'm not going to go into detail yeah. but like and you know i'm shut down because i'm you know literally just posting facts that are out on the internet to see and even if i weren't doing that even if you know like of course i'm i'm also disagreeing with with this this particular ideology as and challenging it. As 98% of the entire world probably does. Exactly. I mean, my my opinion that males and females exist is a majority opinion. This it's, is it's, like, not, it's not an opinion. It's a fact. It's an objective right. reality. Like, yeah, let, like let's even be clear. Talk, yeah, even to talk about this as ideological, like to say, oh, Twitter shut me down for political reasons or for ideological reasons. They did. But yeah, like I'm literally stating material reality and a reality that everybody knows and agrees with. Like it just it's so crazy. But these trans activists are a very small minority, and somehow they've managed to very, very quickly start changing laws, you know, like not just pushing this ideology forward and convincing people that there's such a thing as a, a man who's actually a woman or who can change sex, blah, blah, blah. But that, you know, these policies and laws are being passed really quickly around the world in terms of being able to just self-identify. All these sports bodies are adopting these policies that say, as you mentioned, you know, the only rule for most of these these bodies now who are who are adopting these gender identity policies is that you have lower testosterone levels for a year. But I mean, that doesn't make you not male. That doesn't change your bones. Like that doesn't actually change your physical body to a certain, to such an extent that you're, you're no longer male and that you're now female. I mean, ridiculous. I think a lot of it comes from academia. Like I think a lot of it comes from gender studies. I think it comes out of this kind of postmodernism that is has very much taken over gender studies now what we you know what used to be women's studies 20 years ago that's not what gender studies is today it's this weird postmodern academic like jargon filled meaningless um kind of thing that convinces people that you can kind of subvert reality if that makes any sense like that you can yeah. sort of alter well, reality just by framing things in a different way or through language if you use different language then then things change or cease to exist or or you can yeah alter reality in that way mm. and it kind of works which is the annoying thing i mean we we've we've kind of seen it happen and continue to keep happening to the well, point yeah, where words no longer have meaning anymore i mean these like gender studies students um seem to have taken words like violence and abuse and harassment and trauma and use them in ways that don't have anything to do with violence or abuse or harassment or trauma. It's like, if you disagree with somebody mm. that's framed as violence or abuse or Oh harassment. yeah, yeah, I, I've been using that one on anyone who's critical of my deadlift video. I've told them that they're, um, they're transphobic bigots, they're being sexist, racist, and transphobic. 
and they are committing acts of violence against me by denying my lived experience. Right. They're not being intersectional. Did you tell them that? You should tell I, them they're I, not being yeah. intersectional. Yeah, they've, they're, they're messing <laughs> up. So, I mean, that's why that's why it's been it's been quite a fun couple of weeks because anyone who does criticize it, I can literally just be like, well, what is your evidence that I did not actually legitimately identify as a woman when I lifted that weight? And then, you know, if they start questioning, they'll, you know, they'll say, oh, you're, you're not, you're not being genuine. You're not, he's not really trans. I'm like, well, first of all, you just misgendered me. And secondly, mm-hmm. you don't know me and, you know, you're making all these assumptions. How would you like it if I made all these assumptions about you? And then they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because they're like, like this guy's, yeah. he understands my ideology too well. But it's like, yeah, well, well, it's too easy to use those arguments against them. Like, it's yeah. like, okay, I'm not like, if I say that I'm trans or I say I'm a woman and you say, oh, you don't really mean it. It's like, well, who really means it? Like, what does it mean? If you're, if you're going to argue that this is based only on self-identification and nothing else, not surgery, not hormones, not that I think that it's possible to change your sex through surgery and hormones, but we're not even using that as a measure. Right. So yeah. it's like, yeah, no, literally the argument you're making is that anybody should be able to announce that they are, you know, and that everyone just has to accept that without questions. And that if you ask questions, you're a hateful bigot and you're, you know, guilty of hate speech and maybe even a hate crime. Mm-hmm. I'm in the UK where things are getting a little bit swirly out here at the moment. Um, they've got police, literally, they've got entire police divisions that are just trying to find mean tweets on Twitter and mean posts on Facebook that do not violate the law, but just might potentially be offensive. And they're actually kind of knocking on people's doors and giving them rings. Someone was actually told to literally check their thinking. That's what the police officer said. Oh my God. You you might want to check your thinking. I was like, wow, that is, that is 1984. This is airstrip one. Literally. Yeah. And you're in Canada and I know that Canada has gotten a bit weird with this stuff too. So what's the situation there in terms of the legality? Because you can now just, um, you can change your legal gender just based on self-identification, right? And you've also got this Bill C-16, which I know you and several other people, including um, Jordan Peterson, Gadsat, a lot of people complained about. So talk us through that. Yeah, I mean, I wish that more people had complained about it, to be honest, because... I mean, they they pushed through this legislation really quickly, so there wasn't much opportunity to push back. I think Canadians are too polite. Like, in the UK, there's been a lot more pushback around gender identity ideology and legislation, especially from, from feminists over there. You know, they've been, they've been fighting. They've been, you know, trying to reach their politicians. They've been holding meetings and events. Um, they've been speaking out. And in Canada... Uh, we were a little too slow on the uptake. So this legislation, Bill C-16, passed almost without any pushback. I mean, I went to the Senate to speak against it, as did, as you said, Jordan Peterson and a few other people. But, it, I mean, beyond that legislation, so yeah, people people can change their, their IDs quite easily um, to okay. say they're what the do, opposite sex. What does it actually require? What do you have to do? Just fill out I believe that you still need a doctor's note, but it's not... Uh, hard to get that note. And I think it's not even just doctors. I think nurse practitioners, um, psychologists, things like that can just write you a note and kind of vouch for you and say, yeah, like this person is who they say they are. They're a woman. And I mean, considering that 
you're supposed to accept if someone announces they're a woman and you can't ask questions and that it has nothing to do with surgery or hormones or any other requirement. I can't imagine that many people in this climate would be bold enough to, to reject that, that identity. Um, and beyond that, I mean, the policies that are being adopted by public institutions, so schools, community centers, city city run institutions and things like that they just passed policies that said yeah anyone can come into this change room if they want and that has nothing to do with i mean they didn't consult the public about that at all but that's even regardless of of any law i mean they've hmm. just d decided that because they want to be accepting and inclusive and open-minded like we're so into being inclusive and open-minded and using all these buzzwords like yeah. diversity intersectionality all these things and and supporting marginalized communities and blah, blah, blah. Not that there's anything wrong with supporting marginalized communities, but now it's just like, you just announce that you're marginalized because you have this, because you're non-binary or you're trans for whatever reason. And and we just, we, we should support you because you're a victim. Yeah, well, I mean, there there are all these bigoted women who don't who don't want me and my penis in their bathroom, which I think well, is, um, that's marginalizing me and it's certainly discriminatory. So we're, we're abusing you. And, yeah, I might need to go in there and start a, start spinning it around in there and just uh if anyone says anything you know but exactly I'll... i mean that's that's, <laughs> that's what they're saying it's okay, you know like it's like and, and, oh and nobody it, can and, say anything like and, we're and it is how happening. are we the wrong ones for and, not and, wanting and, like grown men in change rooms with women and girls like ridiculous but i think it comes out of this what i so i call it third wave feminism okay. And third wave feminism seems to have really um, glommed on to this, you know, my experience is valid and no one can challenge my experience. And if I, you know, if I announce my identity, everyone has to accept that identity. And it's very kind of like me, 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 me. Um, also very much rooted in what I was talking about earlier, this postmodernism and gender studies. Um, this idea that you can kind of subvert material material reality through language or um, you know academic jargon essentially or by announcing you know repeating these weird mantras over and over again trans women or women etc um, but it all just seems really kind of like word salad to me like it's all it all just seems so like academic and jargony like they all just sound like they're they're they've been writing essays at school for too long yeah. and they've they've forgotten what material reality is and they've forgotten what real women's lives are like like i find that this third wave feminism is really not it's really totally out of touch in terms of what real women are struggling with in the real world and in all sorts of ways in terms of poverty in terms of uh, being mothers in terms of violence they're suffering at the hands of men in terms of you know prostitution pornography just and just living their day-to-day -day lives i mean mm. it's just it's so it's so out of touch and ridiculous and most people in the world would have no idea what they were talking about or what any of these words mean and that, then yet these are also the same people these are all there's these are a lot of like young kind of college students promoting this ideology yeah, middle yeah. class kids whatever yeah, they're the ones going around accusing everyone else of being like privileged and like, oh, you don't yeah, get course. it. Like, you're like white feminism, you're privileged, like you don't understand marginalized communities. And it's like, 
you're completely out of touch with what's going on in the entire world. Like it's, you only talk to like your small group of like 15 friends who have the exact same experience as you and use the exact yeah. same like stupid nonsensical language that you yeah, use. It's, it's a, it's a cult. We've kind of reached this stage where it's really difficult to tell satire from reality. Cause I've seen some genuine blog posts or articles or things. And I'm like, wait, surely I'm, I'm there checking if it's the onion or something. I'm like, wait, is that a, is that a real? Is that is that totally. a real thing? Yeah, you know, and you see it with it's like satire come to life. Like it's like who could have predicted <laughs> this ridiculous? Yeah, like I mean, and it, and it ha it happens with the different all the different contingents of the uh, intersectionality matrix. It happens with our uh, things to do with race, things to do with sex, things to do with sexuality. I mean, I remember reading an article last year about how milk how milk is racist and how milk is a hateful symbol of white supremacy <laughs> because, oh, oh, and, and it was a legitimate. They just a, run out of things it, to write about, right? It was a, legit, like, it was a legitimate what's article. What's it going to be today? In terms of the, the theory behind it, it's because obviously a lot of non-white people are lactose intolerant. So, oh, right. So because lots so of people. Lactose itself is racist. Exactly. So, so. Um, it's no more so cheese for the social justice warriors. <laughs> so apparently, it's a symbol of white supremacy because obviously, one, it's white, and then two, um, <laughs> supposedly, white people drinking it is showing their um, their gen genetic superiority by the fact that they can digest. And it was a whole article. I, I, I'll have to try Lord. to like pull it up later on. I was just reading this thing, and I was like, "You people are insane!" Like whoever wrote this, I'm like, "You're actually insane!" Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah, that, like it almost seems like a plant. Like if this were all like a right-wing conspiracy to mock <laughs> progressives, like what a genius idea. Like, and I would totally buy it. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense that that's what happened is that some like right-wing guy was like, hey guys, you know, it would be really funny. <laughs> it, it, might, it might be the only way. It literally might be the only way. I mean, I, I, I'm almost like encouraging men to compete in women's sports and to go and just just expose this for what it is. I mean, I think that's why what I did resonated so much because it's one thing to talk about it and to be theoretical and whatever. But the whole point is that I'm not a professional powerlifter. I'm not a professional athlete. And I just walked into the gym on a training session and I could on any given day can smash all these female records. And there's dudes who are way stronger than me. The way, the way people interpret things is crazy, right? I, I, got, I got, had some people attacking me saying that I was mocking women by trying to show that women are, are weak or fear. And I was like, you have completely, you've completely missed the point. Yeah. <laughs> this, 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 is, this is just showing the reality of the situation. This is, I'm trying to show you why I should not be competing <laughs> with women. I'm not trying to, the whole thing was, it's just. Um, yeah, it's weird. Well, and the point it's, people are so confused. I think people, I think the word equality has probably confused people and the word gender equality. Cause it's like, the point of feminism isn't to say that men and women are exactly the same and mm. that they should be doing this, all the same things and that they should pretend that, pretend that they're the same. It's just about, you know, um, challenging ideas that are harmful and challenging legislation that's harmful and allowing women to have equal opportunities and to, to function freely and safely and to lead fulfilling lives. Yeah. Um, I did, I did want to mention one thing that I forgot to, to pick up on earlier because yeah, you said that, you know, like when we're talking about us getting accused of like being hateful or like, 
not being empathetic or not being nice. Like I'm always sort of, people are always sort of trying to bully me by telling me that I'm being mean, right? They're like, well, why can't you just be nice? Like, why do you have to use the wrong pronouns? It's mean. It hurts people's feelings. Like, why do you have to make these arguments? And it's like, well, first of all, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't think lying is nice. Like, I don't, I, I don't think I have to pretend that reality doesn't exist just to be nice to people. I mean, where will that take us if we all start lying to each other and, and denying? It, it, it takes us exactly where we are right now and the reason why we're having this conversation. It's, right. mi- and so, it's misguided compassion. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so at, at this, I, I was, at, I was, took part in a debate um, last week with a trans activist about this issue about gender identity and its impact on women and women's rights. And some guy in the audience came and said, I don't know what men's investment is in this issue, but there's so many like guys who are just like irate about me saying that men and women are real. Like one guy stood up and he was he, he was one of those guys who's like, well, what is your definition of a woman? And I was like, well, I told you already it's an adult human female. It's like, what does that mean? And he's just he's so angry at me. And I'm like, yeah. dude, why? This doesn't affect you at all. Anyway, so this one guy stands up and he's like, you know, Megan, I'm just really not hearing a lot of empathy from you. And we should be talking about empathy and you should be more empathetic. And I was like, I don't think it's empathetic to force women to like be around a dick in a change room. Like, I don't think it's empathetic to like take a $30,000 grant away from a women's transition house. Like talk to me about, I don't think it's empathetic for you guys all to be sending me like violent threats on the internet because I understand how the world works. Like, empathy like it's like it's such a weird manipulative creepy bullying thing and these people are sort of so used to getting their way by doing that by by kind of gently pressuring people by being like well it's kind and we should be kind and these people are suffering and so you just have to go along with it and it's like I don't want people to suffer like I don't I don't want any of these people to suffer like I want them to live like happy lives and to be themselves and you know do what they need to do but that doesn't mean that they get to force this stuff on the rest of us, especially not if it's impacting us in these really big ways. I mean, how that's not empathetic. It's such a weird reversal. It is. Here's a question. Are you do you find you're getting a lot of support from conservatives on this? Because I totally. imagine you would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This this <laughs> this is so good for conservatives. This whole this whole thing is just like everyone's oh, like, man. come come over here. <laughs> yeah, they're like Megan, you're with us now. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. It's it's so funny because I'm just like, it's so odd. I mean, I made like a weird prophecy at the very beginning of uh of last year. I, I put out a tweet just saying something like, um, the next couple years are going to be years of strange alliances. And it's really like literally since I said that, it's it's really started to come into play, like even with me doing this podcast and just some of the people I've connected with and all that kind of stuff. It's so many people are saying, you know, I'm finding myself like opening my mind here or, you know, previously I thought this about this group and now I realize it's actually like this and I'm, I'm kind of having all these conversations and it's really, um, it's really quite fascinating. I mean, I think it's good in a way because you know, as far as politics, I, I think you've kind of really got about 80% of people kind of somewhere around the center. Like I think people, you know, people might lean a little bit more different ways on specific issues, but I do think like most sane thinking people are kind of like, you know, in this kind of blob in the center. And then you've kind of got like these extreme fringes, but those extreme fringes are so loud and so vocal and so active that sometimes it seems like that's, that's everybody. 
but I think it's kind of bringing people together who are kind of like waking up in the middle and being like, oh, wait, okay, you know, that person's not that bad or, you know, that person's not that bad or whatever. And people are actually having these conversations and finding that there's common ground and, you know, these conservatives or right-wingers or whatever, like they're not all, they're not all evil. As I know, a lot of people who traditionally consider themselves more liberal or on the left often tend to think largely because they've just kind of exiled themselves from even, even having dialogue. But I think it's good that right. people are coming together and talking and just having these honest conversations. Cause with a lot of these issues, it's not even, there's not even a disagreement. Most people, I mean, people generally do want equal rights. People do want fairness. There's this idea that, that 50% of the population wants to like oppress women or oppress gay people or oppress trans people. And it's just like, no, where are these ideas or, coming from? Like, yeah, no. Or even that people shouldn't, I mean, yeah, the left-right binary has been, become really frustrating to me because like you say, like that just doesn't represent the majority of people in the world. Most people are apolitical or somewhere in the middle or who have various views that might fit left wing and some others might fit yeah. right wing, you know, whatever you want to say. I mean, people are people and they're so much more complicated than that. And the amount of people who really fit completely into left the left and you know agree with every single <clears throat> one of these issues and same thing on the right it's, it's just not representative we don't agree with each other on blank we might agree with each other on other things and it doesn't make you like an evil person because you see the world in a different way than me um, or have different perspectives and this thing where we go around vilifying people who don't agree with us about everything is so unrealistic and unproductive amen one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so am I am I right in saying that you're um taking legal action against Twitter? Is that still happening? Yeah, so we filed a complaint. Um we haven't heard back from Twitter yet, but uh, we filed a complaint on the, the basis of uh, breach of contract um and false advertising i mean because twitter sort of launched itself and really sold itself and went really hard on the idea that it was a platform for free speech you know jack dorsey has said that in public many times that they don't make decisions around banning people um for political reasons or for ideological reasons um they also said in their terms of service that they would notify they would give users 30 days notice if they changed any rules and they didn't do that around this misgendering rule like they announced this rule around misgendering after i was banned from twitter um and it's a public interest case so it's not you know like i'm not going to make any money off this case or anything like that no one's going to make any money off this case where we have a, a fundraiser going to support legal fees because mm -hmm. the lawyers aren't going to be making a ton of money off of this either they just think it's wrong and uh yeah i mean it's it's just it's wrong on so many levels i mean twitter is is the public square now and twitter has an enormous impact on on politics and elections and we know mm -hmm. that and twitter knows that and they're creating a false reality, you know, like by cutting people out, they're they're making it appear as though a majority of people agree with certain ideas that a majority of people don't, um, whether, you know, those are progressive ideas. It's not just around this gender identity ideology, too. It's other issues. But, um, you know, they're 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 shaping reality and it's creepy and they're imposing this kind of 1984 style newspeak on people and, and punishing people who don't go along with it. And. I think it convinces people that, you know, this is the new reality and this is the new normal and this is just what everyone is doing and this is what everyone believes. And if you don't believe this, you're bad or there's something wrong with you or you're not open-minded. Um, 
And so I think it's quite dangerous on a lot of levels beyond the fact that it was extremely punitive to me in terms of, yeah, my ability to work and, and write and publish and, and make a living and, and continue to, to do what I do. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes people say Twitter is not real life and that is true. However, I think that Twitter and social media in general are a pretty good, they're a pretty good early warning system. So if certain ideas and or movements or whatever are start gaining a lot of traction online, it's normally kind of a six to 18 month window until they will start, you know, coming to the fore in the workplace or in academia, in people in people's daily lives, you know, those ideas do trickle in. I want you to I want you to educate me a little bit because I'm I'm someone who doesn't necessarily think that um in the in the modern day. I'm not convinced that feminism necessarily needs to exist, which is why I, I, reason why I don't call myself one. It's a few reasons, but that's one of them. So in terms of the issues that you consider, I guess, real feminist issues in the modern day era, especially in the Western world, on a global scale, different question, uh, but say in the UK, in the USA, Canada, Western Europe, anywhere like that, what do you think is the case for feminism? basically. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's still a huge problem with domestic abuse. So I think that male violence against women in the home is still an enormous issue. I mean, women are getting beat up and killed by their male partners a lot <laughs> uh, all around the world, but also in North America and the UK. Sorry, so um, quick quick interjection. I've, I've heard that actually the, the highest rates of um, domestic violence are actually in lesbian couples. So one's involving two women. That's what I've... I've never heard that before. Yeah, I've heard that that's the high... In terms of... Obviously, there's far more heterosexual relationships than there are, but I've heard that the actual incident rate is higher amongst those mm -hmm. couples. I might, I might need to Google that. That would surprise but, me. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll Google it. But um, that's something I've heard, I've heard from, a, from a couple of sources, but I've never looked up what the true source of that is, which is something I just found interesting because, yeah, I was surprised by it. Um. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's also the issue for me, I focused really heavily, as I mentioned before, on the issue of prostitution and pornography. So okay. in prostitution, obviously, the vast majority of buyers are men and mm -hmm. the vast majority of people who are prostituted are women. Um, and that's an industry where there is like a ton of really horrific abuse and exploitation that happens. Most women and girls, you know, so many girls are in prostitution and most of those women and girls don't want to be there and they're there because they have to survive and it's a quite uh, traumatic experience for them mm -hmm. where they're subjected to various forms of abuse, verbal, physical, sexual, etc. Um, and that to me seems like a really obvious way to demonstrate that there still is a power imbalance and there still is a great deal of, of inequality when women are forced to have sex with and perform sexual acts for mm. for men that they don't want to be with and that, that those oh, yeah. men are okay with it you know like i'm yeah. troubled by the idea that a man would want to have sex with a woman who doesn't want to have sex with him do you know what i mean like, yes yeah, so, so so am i um again i think that's interesting because that's quite a conservative idea you know there's a lot of people on the on the more liberal side of things who are very pro sex worker or pro pornography, you know, I don't know what they call it, sex positive or, you know, all these kind of ideas. And I, I don't get it. Right? I'm not, I'm not a, I'm, I've never been a lefty, but there's a lot of stuff I kind of see there that confuses me because 
I, I completely get what you're saying. And I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I'm, I'm not a, I don't think pornography and prostitution are wonderful things for society. I'm quite libertarian minded in the fact that I don't necessarily think that I think if consenting adults want to do that, I think it's a bad idea. I don't necessarily think it's moral. It's not something I, I would want to support or promote in any way, but I'm kind of like, okay, like laissez faire. I, I find a lot of people who are very cool with it or who want to normalize it. You know, there's people who consider all that kind of stuff progressive. Um, so I don't know what the kind of, I yeah, don't know how those things kind of add up to me. It's it's kind of strange. It's weird and frustrating because I feel like the left sort of gave up on ethics in terms of those issues, you know, in terms of the sex industry. It's like this idea that, I mean, I disagree with the idea that, you know, if people want to do that, let them do that. It doesn't impact anyone else because I mm. do think that we we live in a society and we need to think about other people and we need to think about how our behaviors and choices impact other people. And <laughs> I think that... <laughs> Welcome to the show, conservative Megan Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I've invited a member of the religious right. Remember? Yeah, I know. It's brilliant. <laughs> These are feminist <laughs> arguments. <though. laughs> like, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't think that these ideas around ethics should be reserved by the right. I think that the left should care about sexual ethics and should be thinking about like, what what is pornography, you know, what does pornography do to you when you watch pornography and you're, this is what you're, this is how you're engaging with sex and sexuality um, you know, like I think pornography has a really big impact on your brain and how you have sex and how you see women and probably how you see yourself as a man. It does. It definitely shapes. I feel like it's shaped our sexuality as a society because, you know, like practices become and uh, imagery becomes mainstreamed yeah. um, that I don't think is positive imagery, you know, especially for women. And I don't think is a positive way to engage with sex and sexuality, especially when we're talking about things like violence and humiliation and degradation and these like really misogynist uh, words and misogynist and racist imagery. Like it's not, it's not nice to sexualize <laughs> humiliation. Like so much of what's happening in pornography has to do with humiliating people and degrading C people and hurting people. Pornography certainly rewires people's brains. I mean, st pe they've done studies they've done studies on that and um yeah it's a it's a it's a real thing and it you know it is it is it is addictive for people because people will continually you know someone who's uh titillated by something that's quite mild to begin with you know if they get if they kind of go down that rabbit hole then they get desensitized it rewires your brain so you need a you know it's like smoking cigarettes or doing a drug or something you know people need a bigger hit a bigger hit bigger hit and next thing they know they're looking up the most extreme bizarre degrading humiliating weird stuff um yeah. you know kind of what you were saying just in terms of the the wider society and ethics and morality i do think that um certainly the western world has gone off the rails on that to be to be honest not everybody but i do think that there are a lot of things that are going too far again you know when i talk about this stuff people oh zuby you're so conservative you're you're so true and it's like well you know certain traditions and certain ethics and belief systems and standards basically 
they've historically existed for a reason. And, you know, certainly those can go too far. You, I'm not saying you want everyone living in some, you know, in some super restricted. I mean, I, I grew up in Saudi Arabia, so you know, I, I know I know the opposite. I mean, it was a really interesting place to grow up because it's extremely different in a lot of ways, and there's certainly less freedom and liberty and whatnot in the Western sense. But in terms of sort of ethics and morality and people being on the same page, it's actually a lot better there in many ways. And you don't get a lot of the problems that you have here. As a result, you don't get a lot of these societal problems. There's no, there's no drug problem there. There's no drinking problem. There's no problem of um, you know, people having tons of children out of wedlock and broken families and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah, it is, it is strict. And there's a certain things there that I'm not, um, I'm not personally a fan of, and I wouldn't advocate for. But I think you can kind of find a happy balance where people have freedom, people have liberty, but you still do have kind of a general uh, moral or ethical code or fabric that people agree with. And you know, you do have some degree of shaming. Like people are, you've got this idea of trying to remove the stigma from everything and remove the shame from everything. But it's like, no, yeah. shame, shame, shame is actually kind of That's important. Yeah. Cause yeah, I don't like, think, yeah, I don't think shame is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, the Saudi Arabia thing, I don't think that those kinds of restrictions and the way that women are treated in Saudi Arabia. No, 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 I'm, I'm, off, but no, like, no, it's, um, it's, but it's, yeah. it's an extreme, it's an extreme, like, but the thing where it's like the, the idea of shaming and judgment has become a bad thing. And it's like, Oh, so everything you do is fine and you should never, like, if I behave badly, like, I should feel bad about it. Why should I not feel ashamed about that? Like, I probably, I should. And the idea that I should just accept it and just be like, oh, well, like, that's who I am. It's like, no, you should feel bad and you should apologize and you should try not to do that again. Mm. Um, It's not that I want, you know, people to go around feeling ashamed all the time and feel guilty all the time, but I want people to you know, reflect on their behavior and try to do better and should try to do good. And yeah, I mean, I guess I, I feel like we've sort of, again, I'm going to end up sounding like super conservative. There's <laughs> like certain, okay. certain like trigger words that have just been like owned by the right and the left hates them, but like, whatever, like, I feel like we sort of developed this like really hedonistic culture where it's like, Oh, well, you should just be able to do whatever you want to do and everyone else should accept that. And yeah. And if you're criticizing it, it's because you're judgmental and you're not open-minded or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I mean, we talked about pornography and the same thing with prostitution. It's like, this isn't, I mean, this isn't good for your relationships with other people. I mean, it's not good for men's relationships with women. It's not good for women. It's not good for their sex lives. It's like, are you trying to, you, you know, cultivate good relationships? I mean, what else really matters more in the world than your relationships with the people around you, like your family yeah. and your friends and your community? And this just doesn't encourage ethical or humane treatment. It doesn't encourage empathy. I mean, for these people who claim to care so much about empathy, I mean, pornography and prostitution are some of the least empathetic areas that I can imagine in the world. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's purely transactional and it's just giving into, com- completely giving into the most basal human male desires, to to be frank with you. I mean, I'm a guy, I've always been a guy. <laughs> so, um, you know, I know, I know, I know how, I know how men, yeah, I know how men operate. I know what the mind of a teenage boy, what the mind of a, a young heterosexual male is like, right? And, you know, we are, you know, there, there's a, 
I think the sexual pursuit zone in a man's brain is triple the size as it is in a woman's brain. That's an that's an interesting difference. And obviously, you've got all this you jacked up on testosterone, and it's like you know what you you do need society to keep certain behaviors in check. Okay, yes, we are animals, but we're not. <laughs> we're not animals it, like other animals are. Right? We don't just run around, and you don't want to just have guys running around humping everything that they find attractive, and just you know, right. like dogs, just jumping on things. And there's no structure, there's no fabric, there's no people just do whatever they want. You know, you can drink as much as you want, and eat as much as you want, and just sit and watch loads of porn and hook up with prostitutes and just it's like no like yeah we have society's... too much access to stuff but yeah. yeah like it's like yeah it's this idea that yeah you should just i mean as humans like we are animals but we also as humans have the ability to make choices and to make intelligent and ethical choices and to think about how our behaviors and what we do impacts other people so it's really yeah it's frustrating to me when people say oh, well, it's natural for men to feel these things and want these things. And it's like, I'm not talking even about what you want. Like, I think that I might challenge men who say that they they want to violate women or, or to behave in abusive ways. But at the end of the day, you can make a decision about like an instinct or a feeling versus what you actually do in real life. I mean... Mm. And for people to not draw a line around that is is weird to me. Yeah. Well, I think that's where the moral fabric becomes very, very important. You know, I don't know what your personal thoughts on religion are, but I mean, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a Christian myself, but I think that, you know, people have people have tons and tons of criticisms of religion and you know, some of them are some of them are valid and some very bad things have been done in the name of religion and continue to be done so. But to me, one of the very core values of it that I'm always sort of trying to explain to people who are deeply critical is, you know, there are lots of things. One of them is obviously community, but one is just, it's the moral framework and having some sort of hierarchy of values to aspire to. Because if you just have complete subjective morality and people, everyone is kind of just free to completely make up their own version of the rules, then it becomes quite easy to um what's the word it becomes quite easy to, to rationalize anything so i i can just behave in any way i can just let these animalistic instinct instincts take over i can harm people i can take from people i can steal from people or whatever and i can see like well you know i i don't think it's wrong right according to me this stuff is fine like i can just do whatever furthers me i'm not saying everyone would necessarily behave like this but you know, we, we've been spending a lot of time talking about people losing track of reality. So I think people are extremely suggestive. And if you don't have some kind of framework, I'm not even saying it needs to be um, necessarily believing in a, in a deity or anything supernatural, but you do need, especially in, in a society, if you've got hundreds, thousands, millions of people, you need some kind of framework that everybody is operating anything. Otherwise, I do think you can, over time, just descend very much into an anything goes and where shaming is completely bad. And it's like, okay, someone can be behaving terribly. And it's like, no, no, you can't even shame them because then you're being judgmental or you're being unfair or whatever. And it's worse to shame them than what they're actually doing. And mm -hmm. you, you do see this in different things. And some of them, it's not so super serious. I mean, um, I think quite a good example, something a little bit more um, perhaps lighthearted, but you know, perhaps not, is like the whole idea of like um, fat acceptance right? 
I'm not saying that people should be bullied or harassed for being overweight or whatever, but you've kind of you're, you're quickly reaching the stage where people are just like, oh no, like being morbidly obese is, yeah, no, it's fine, right? That's that society's just projected these things, right? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with me that I'm 200 pounds overweight. Like it's just uh, society has enforced this, or these people are being bullying, or they're being shaming, or whatever. And it's like, no, like there are. You know, there's just certain standards and personal responsibilities that people need to take. And if you don't take that personal responsibility and you're just trying to blame everything on anyone, everyone else all the time, then, yeah, I just, I just think stuff falls apart. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's not an issue that I'm like a super expert in. And people do have kind of genetic issues in terms of how much weight they gain and how thin they are. And then there's also this societal thing where like we are expect and and like women especially to be to be super thin and are really critical and shaming of women who don't fit these these ideals um i think but, that mostly comes from other women though doesn't it like the average guy doesn't need well, a, why would a woman care how thin another woman is i mean for what Com- like, competition i mean no competition well, they're, they're doing it because they want to be seen as attractive and, and yeah I, i'm just saying that, i'm just saying that most guys like with you know there's a certain range. I'm not saying that women don't participate <laughs> yeah. in that shaming at all. Yeah. I mean, men do it too. Why do you oh, sure. no. say horrible things about women's bodies? Oh, a- absolutely, and... absolutely. I, I would, um, I'd be surprised if the majority comes from men, though. Um, well, men can kind of set the standards and then let women take on the shaming, I guess. Like maybe. Like I, mean, I think that's sort it, of what's happened. A it's, bit. it's certainly. I mean, it's it's a two way thing. You know, there are there are standards. There are things that men like in women generally. And are are physically just biologically wired to be attracted to. Sure, but those things change versa. over time and in different cultures, right? Like we can the, see that beauty standards are different in different places and in different historical moments and stuff like yes, that. Yes, but the the basics don't actually change. The basics don't change, but then if you look at the kind of the the female bodies that are viewed as attractive in Western culture, it's mm-hmm. not the same kind of body that's been viewed as attractive in other periods of time. Or, it's actually or primarily the um. And it's actually the. the sorry, I was sorry to interrupt you. No, it's um. It's primarily actually the hip waist ratio. So they've shown that across cultures and across time, it's actually the ratio that um stays the same. So that's why you could have um say a, a slim woman or a, a thin woman who guys find very attractive just across the board or you could also have um you know a curvier bigger woman who guys find attractive all across the board of course if someone gains like a ton of weight then those ratios and proportions go out of whack and most guys will not necessarily be attracted to that i mean it's the same it's the same with men you've got the the waist the waist and shoulder the waist shoulder ratio that kind of like v taper shape thing that they've shown most women find very attractive so i mean so, yeah, certain I mean, like broad shoulders what can we do <laughs> yeah 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 exactly but that's why it's biological it's it's fine like i'm i mean i'm, not, I'm, a, just, I'm not saying that people, there aren't things that people are attracted to that they yeah, can't yeah. help that are just you know like evolutionary like evol- like part of like biology and evolution or whatever i'm just saying that there are certain standards that have changed and certain looks that have changed and certain ways of looking that are promoted in the beauty industry and pop culture and pornography i agree with you i think that i think when it comes to like physical looks i think women put like i said i do think women put the majority of pressure on themselves as in women on other women i think 
maybe people think that guys are <laughs> this is going to come out wrong but maybe maybe women think guys are more picky more picky than we actually are when it comes to like <laughs> physical... <laughs> no i know you're not picky i know you don't have to tell me i know you you just don't care like eh, <laughs> sure i know <laughs> It's insulting. <laughs> I, I have these arguments with uh, my the man in my life. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, like everyone's like, oh, you know, like the girls need to be like this. They need to be, I'm, I'm like, like no, no. I'm, I'm kind of like, not really. Like, I mean, if you're like, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 pounds overweight, then okay, that's going to, that's going to, that's going to hurt your chances with, with guys. But if it's like, five pounds 10 pounds maybe 15 like guys are like nah, mm. I, mean, <laughs> I know that it's not hard to get men interested <laughs> i mean i do have a really good personality oh yeah <laughs> so that's all it is huh he's <laughs> smart and funny um yeah. but uh first, first I, we I see. think like what was i gonna say i totally got distracted there like things like, for example, wearing high heels. Like, I don't think that women wear high heels for other women. I think that they wear high heels because they think that men will find them sexy if they're wearing high heels. I don't think that women wear makeup for, for other women. I think that they do that so that primarily, you know, like men view them as attractive and things like that. Yeah, I, 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 you're right. I think they're both true. I think it's like game theory. You know this i don't know it's kind of like the the pick a bigger weapon thing so i think because i don't know much about right, game theory okay well it's kind of the idea that i don't know say say you've got uh let's take a small microcosm say say you're in a nightclub or something okay if you've got a girl in there who is wearing heels and makeup then that kind of sets the bar for all the other girls mm. so in theory if you had a society where no woman wore any makeup then the bar would be, I don't want to even say the bar would be lowered, but like the reality of what women actually kind of look like would just be, it would just be completely normalized. But as soon as one woman or one group of women starts wearing makeup and heels, then it, it means the other ones will, it means all the other women will want to do the same to compete if you kind of if you kind of see what i mean so it's like yeah no i, I mean i actually agree true. with you because yeah. i feel like these are these are some of the arguments that i make against cosmetic surgery for example because it's like well it's not just about you like if you get breast implants or like butt implants or whatever you're setting higher standards for other women that they then feel like they have to live up to and i yeah. think that so i i think that me getting cosmetic surgery is not just a personal choice i mean it is a personal mm -hmm. choice and i don't think cosmetic surgery is really going to make people feel happier or better about themselves anyway and it, there's research that shows that yeah. but i also think that it's it's selfish and harmful to to you know i think that you should think about the the larger consequences of, mm -hmm. of those kinds of choices also yeah i mean another good example of game theory for example would be like um steroid use in sports so if you're a professional sprinter or you're a professional bodybuilder or um you know say say bodybuilding right it's like if you've got a bodybuilding competition and 50 guys are competing and one guy takes steroids, then everybody else either has to mm -hmm. or is going to lose. You see what I mm -hmm. mean? So it's like as soon as that person does it, then, you know, give it give it five years. And now all of these guys, like all of these guys are now on steroids because you now can't even compete with them unless you're going to go through the same thing. 
And I think, mm-hmm. I think it's similar with what you said with like cosmetic surgery and whatever, right? If you're just getting women or, you know, I've seen guys do weird cosmetic surgeries as well, but you know, if you're going to have women inflating their boobs and doing this with their lips and doing this with their hips and their butts and all that kind of stuff. And if half of the women start doing that, then the other half are going to be like, gosh, well, you know, like, do I, do I do the same to, so yeah, the, like- the, the pressures are weird. I, I would agree that, yeah, the, the, the root of it is wanting to be attractive to the opposite sex. But then I think these sort of other psychological factors come into play and it becomes kind of like a, you know, it becomes a lot more competitive and the bar gets set sometimes at a standard that's not necessarily, I mean, in bad cases, a, a standard which is not even naturally achievable, right? So if, if the standard becomes something that you can't even do without surgery, then yeah, I, I agree with you that that's, um, that, that's kind of silly. So I think you're right. I mean, it's not it's not just men that have a, a role to play in all of this. It's no. women also in terms of the the standards that they're sort of reinforcing and the messaging and the imagery that they're reinforcing and and things like yeah. that. And in a way, I would actually say that it's um it's arguably more important for women to acknowledge that and modify their behavior because ultimately women are the gatekeepers to sex, you know, ultimately. Well, right. well, well, there's rape. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, generally, I'm not, I'm not talking about a man forcing himself on a on a woman. Of course not. But you know, gen- generally, like if if guys had their way, <laughs> then 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 guys would just you know just be running around. Like, but we also work. We have to have sex with men, or we feel like we have to have sex with men in order to get you know into relationships. I'm not saying that women don't like sex. I mean, mm. when I have sex of my own free will um but i mean like i just in terms of when you say women are the gatekeepers to sex i mean we just talked about all these pressures that are on women to perform in certain ways and so young women especially i think really get caught up in that and that that feeling like they have to perform and that they have to do all these things to get men to like them and to get men to you know date them or be in relationships with them or or keep coming back or whatever you're Um, you're right i mean it's really funny i mean (laughs) <laughs> I think this is one reason as I get older, I become, um, I think I get more conservative as I get older. Because I feel like that's the, happening to me too. Don't yeah, tell and, the and, internet though. <laughs> <laughs> no, be, because a lot of the, um, what you could call old school traditions and ways of doing things. I think when you're, when you're young and you're, you know, you're questioning things or whatever, a lot of it can seem a little bit archaic or, oh, like why, why, why is there that rule or why is there that rule? And you know, there's there's a lot of wisdom in uh you know th- those those past several thousand years. We're trying to completely reinvent stuff that our ancestors never did, and it's like you know maybe maybe there's a reason behind maybe there's a reason they said you know men and women should get married. And the thing with over liberalization is it creates new problems, right? You don't want again you don't want to be so restricted that people can't do anything or don't have any autonomy or whatever. But when you go too far with it. It introduced a whole host of brand new problems, which if you did actually have the, um, I mean, one, one example I like to use is look at, um, I know quite a lot of Mormons, right? If okay. you kind of, yeah, you know, know, like, if I know any Mormons. Okay. Well, I mean, if you look at the Mormon, I'm not religious and I've always been an atheist and I didn't even, I haven't even like, <laughs> I didn't even know any religious people until oh. sort of like my adult life. So oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but with them, it's like, you know, a lot of people laugh at how, 
ultra conservative they are, but it's like their society is booming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm. like they're they're doing they're just doing so well, right? They're just traditional. They get married young. You know, they normally get girls would normally be married between like I mean nineteen and twenty three. You know, guys would be a bit. That but it's like awful though. Like if, if I'd been married <laughs> when I was like nineteen or twenty, I would be married to like I was the the man that I was in a relationship with when I was like nineteen or twenty. Like we had nothing in common. Like yeah. Well, well, the thing is, well. Well, I mean, they they just take the whole thing really seriously. So I'm not even saying that you have to go to that extreme, but it's like, I look at that and I'm like, I respect that because, you know, it works, right? You kind of look at the opposite and you're seeing all these problems, all these, you know, broken families, fatherless homes, single mother, you, you've got a whole host of problems over there. And then you're trying to use the government or whatever and welfare to try to fix the issue. And then you're kind of looking on the other side and it's just like, oh, wow, okay, they're there. Their population I mean, is growing. They, they don't have STDs. There's no kids out of wedlock. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, it might be a little, um, it might be a little too closed for some people, but it's like I can appreciate, I can certainly appreciate um the way it operates. I think there's probably problems on both ends. I mean, there's a lot of problems in marriage. There's like I oh, said, yeah, there's, there's domestic abuse and people are horrible to each other and people end up feeling repressed, like particularly women have felt really like stifled and repressed in marriages throughout history and i'm not saying you know like i'm okay so then (laughs) there's 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 bad things that are happening to lots of different people (laughs) but i mean i i just i and i'm not against like i want to be in a long-term monogamous partnership like i'm heterosexual like that's the kind of i'm not interested in dating a bunch of people or sleeping around with a bunch of people um and I'm not I don't I don't know that that necessarily has to happen within the institution of marriage I think those kinds of partnerships can happen without signing papers I and 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 that that would be based on ethics right that would be based on like building solid foundations and trusts and 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 building good relationships with other people that because it's meaningful um but yeah, I guess, I mean, and this also comes from my own personal experience, but I think this happens to a lot of women is that when you're younger, you do, you feel like you're supposed to, I guess it, it's often framed. I mean, this is this new version of feminism. I think that's third wave feminism where it's like, you're supposed to act like men mm. and the way to be sexually liberated as a young woman is to be really, really into sex and hooking up and sleeping around and performing all these like pornographic sex acts and things like that. And it's all kind of just a bunch of fakery. And it just means that a like young women don't have good sex and they, they don't even know what they want and they don't even know who they are because they're too busy performing and trying to fit into these certain standards. And then it's not until you get older where you're sort of like, Oh, I don't want that. Like that wasn't actually, that wasn't empowering. I was told that this would be sexually liberating and that I would feel powerful. And sometimes you do feel powerful because obviously, you know, men are attracted to you and going after you and wanting you, you do kind of feel powerful, but it's such like a superficial temporary version of power that, that doesn't really do anything for your self-esteem in the long run or in terms of your, your status and, and power in society in general. So, yeah. I mean, as much as I, I, clearly we probably have different views around things like religion and marriage and, and family and things like that. But I do, I, I yeah, I, I agree with you that it's like forcing ourselves to, to fit this 
this kind of male model of sexuality as I yeah, call it, I mean, this pornographic version of sexuality where we're supposed to be like sleeping around all the time and that we're kind of like prudish and old fashioned and regressive if we just want to be in like a regular partnership with just one person. And yeah, I think a big mistake and a big lie that I think modern feminism has kind of like sold to probably an entire generation of women is you know, I think people kind of looked at the past and looked at the way men behave or were behaving in certain areas. And it was a bit like, okay, there's a section of men who act like pigs, basically. Mm -hmm. And rather than curbing or checking that behavior, it was kind of like, oh, okay, like, let's just get women to act the same way men do or not even all men right let's just get them to act the same way these men do and i think yeah. that was i think that was kind of um i think that was a big mistake it's funny when i hear you know terms like empowering used to describe this stuff because it's not you know it's um again you know i mean from from a libertarian standpoint right people can people can do what they wish just being realistic right if a girl is remotely decent looking it's not hard to find a male sexual partner. You know, guys are horny, man. You know, like, <laughs> right. It's not, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not like, like, it's not, it's not even like it's a challenge totally. or something. It's like, yeah, guys will. I mean, the, the it, question is who you end up with as a sexual partner. It, it's it, like, it, yeah, it, you can find anyone. Like, it's not going to be hard for me to find somebody who wants to date me. No, or but it, I think, or I think it's more likely that I'm just not going to like them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, I think the bar for women, I mean, this is coming for, very much from my male perspective and knowing what goes on in my brain and how I operate, the standard is really like what kind of man will commit to you, right? It's not just like who will sleep with you. It's like, look, guys will, right? guys will you know, a single guy will, will, will sleep with a, with a whole bunch of girls. Will he commit to all of them? No. So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, it's not the, the empowerment idea and the sort of value and whatever. It's really should be more about the, about the commitment and, you know, actually having some kind of, decent relationship yeah, yeah ha having like, having a relationship there's nothing empowering there's nothing accountable treating the other person with respect like yeah there, there's not there's like nothing yeah exactly you know there's nothing um there's nothing amazing or impressive about a hot girl being able to sleep with a bunch of it's like yeah of course you can like guys will be like nine out of ten ten out of ten guys assuming they're they're single and whatever like if it's on offer, like, yeah, of course they would. Yeah. So it's like, there's nothing. Well, the unfortunate reality is that for men and women, I mean, I don't want to apply this to everyone because I'm sure there are women in the world who like sleeping around and maybe enjoy that or are sexually fulfilled by that. But I think for the most part, it's easier. I know for the most part, it's easier for a man to have a sexually fulfilling, i.e. like get off just through hooking up, just through a hookup. So it's like, you know, yeah. like men can have sex with somebody that they don't know that they just met that night. And <laughs> it'll be enjoyable and they'll get off. Whereas a woman probably yeah. isn't going to. Like for most women, it takes more than that. And it takes, I, this sounds like such an old fashioned regressive argument. So, I, okay. but I don't know how else to frame it because I, I think it's true. And it, you know, it's true in my experience and it's the true in the experience of most women that I know. It's like, there has to be you have to kind of know each other, first of all, because you want to like get to know the other person and what they want and what they like, but also to trust that person to have a relationship. Like it's just, women don't get off as easily in sexual encounters with men as the other way around. So in terms of just sex, not even talking about everything else, it sort of does end up being more valuable for women to be in in a relationship versus to just yeah. be 
these guys who don't care about them and have no investment yeah. in them and aren't and, accountable. And, and also just for, again, from a pure biological perspective is the, is that, you know, sex has a bigger, has a bigger risk for women to put it, yeah, to put it simply, totally. right? Like, you know, guys don't get pregnant, you know, a guy, a guy in theory could run around and sleep Another with, biological reality. Exactly. You know, a guy, <laughs> a guy could run around and sleep with 200 different women and biologically that takes no potential toll on him whatsoever. Right. Like, you know, if they get him on the hook for child support or something, then, you know, it'll hit his wallet or whatever. But there's no there's no burden. Right. The way the biology works, it's like a guy could just do that. In theory, I could father a thousand children. Right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, the the burden of the, you know, the risk, the risk of pregnancy, the general risk of sex is far higher for women. And that's something important to for people to remember. You know, of course, you've, you've now got reliable birth control and stuff like that. But, you know, generally it's like, you know, if something happens, if there's the risk that's on the woman. So I just think that's something that people, people kind of gloss over, but I'm kind of like, well, no, hang on. That's like an important, right? that's, that's an important. That's a big thing. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's like, a big thing. Right. It could just, for that guy, it might just be a, your whole life. Yeah. For that guy, it might just be, you know, a three minute bit of pleasure, but it's yeah. like, no, the, this is actually, um. It's a, it's a serious thing. I'm just looking at the the time, Megan. We've gone on. Um, it's it's a super interesting conversation. So I've, uh, <laughs> I've, I've just <laughs> now let that it. I've been brought over to the right wing and everyone <laughs> like I know mission why done. Why you keep saying that you're a socialist? Mi- like clearly you're like a rabid <laughs> right winger. Like. Mission accomplished. I have uh, exposed Megan Murphy as a <laughs> right wing Christian conservative <laughs> who who wants to return is- back to the uh, the traditional family. And uh, patriarchal model, fantastic. Ooh, perfect, perfect. I'm glad we settled that. Great. I mean, I guess I mean what is obviously interesting about this conversation and other conversations that I'm having with people like outside my traditional box is that I just and this is what I, I I'm sort of trying to tell people and show people. It's like you're gonna find yourself agreeing with people who you don't want to agree with. I'm not saying I don't want to agree with you, but you know what I mean. Like if you like if you get out into the world and you talk to somebody sitting at like the bar stool next to you, you're gonna find things that you have in common with that person, even if you have like wild different politics and and you have different experiences and you've had a very different life or whatever i mean in general you're going to find kind of commonalities and i don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that it's like okay i might share some opinions in common with people on the right or people who are libertarians or people who are conservatives and then i also share opinions with people on the left in various ways and i mean that's a good thing yeah it means that you're thinking and then we can argue about all the other stuff too yeah, of course, no, it, but, it, yeah. it, mean, it means that you're thinking i mean if you if you align you you kind of alluded this, to this earlier. I think if you completely align with any one side or like political party or or in political individual, to me that's a sign that you're not really thinking. You're just you know I shouldn't be able to predict all of your beliefs based on knowing one. Yeah, and I would argue that those people are not being honest. Like I would val- argue that those people aren't being authentic because I think if people are really going to be honest, they're going to have some opinions that aren't politically correct. And so all these people who are claiming to have the all the right opinions, yeah. that right the right political opinions that you're supposed to have in this day and age, I just don't buy it. Like I think so many of those people are just being fake. And if we had more like real, authentic, honest conversations, then we would kind of find ourselves agreeing a lot more, but um, also, you know, we'd be, be, be able to get somewhere instead of just being like, 
virtue signaling and all high and mighty on the the internet. Yeah, well, I'm working on it. That's why I called this podcast Real Talk. Great, awesome, good work. Awesome. So, um, <laughs> let people know where they can find you online, Megan. Where what's the best place? Not on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so my website's uh, feministcurrent.com. I have a public Facebook page. I have a public Instagram page. Um, I'm on YouTube. So what, just... what's your handle? Is it just Megan Murphy? Uh, on Instagram, it's Megan Emily Murphy. Uh, on Facebook, yeah, it's just Megan Murphy. And uh, on YouTube, you're just going to have to search my name. Megan, it was great to you. talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Great conversation. Really good to have you on the show. Cool. Take care. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. I am the man. Stick with the slang. Stick in a for fame. Do for the fam. Not for the grand. Stunt me a destiny for pain. I do not front. I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Stick like a rain. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.